Genesis chapter number 19. I want you to look at verse number 15. We're going to read a little bit, and then we're going to talk about somebody. And uh, Genesis 19, look at verse number 15. The Bible says, And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened to Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid upon a hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth, and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought him forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, Oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and hath, thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And if you remember, the angels are there to get Lot out of the city of Sodom before God destroys it. And as they're heading out, Lot said, you, You've shown me mercy. And now he's going to present them with something. He's going to bargain with the angel. He's going to make a little deal with the angel. And he said, Behold, now thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. And I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. That's always interested me, because the angel told him to go to the mountains where he'd be safe. He said, Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. Oh, let me escape thither. Is it not a little one? and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape thither, for I cannot do anything till thou become thither. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. And then the Lord reigned upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brim, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and beheld and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. So the sins of Sodom were so great that God sent an angel to destroy it. And in chapter 19, we see Abraham repeatedly asking God if he would destroy the righteous with the wicked. Over there, Abraham's meeting with God, meeting with the angel of the Lord, and he, he asked him repeatedly. Uh, he said he begins with 50 righteous and continues to ask until he gets down to 10 righteous. And the Lord said, for ten righteous, I will not destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. But we see what happened to it. So we can only assume, we can only gather from what the Bible tells us that there weren't ten righteous inside of Sodom and Gomorrah. So letting us know how bad the sins of Sodom were. Now sin, it affects not only the sinner, but it hurts others. When you look at the sin of pornography, it can result in distorted sense of love, destroying a marriage, and it can also lead to human trafficking to keep the product going. 
And you think of other sins and how they affect others. We think that our sin only affects ourselves, but it affects our family. It affects those around us. And uh, the lie that Eve told Satan in the Garden of Eden was that God was withholding the tree of knowledge from her because she would become like God. The result was a sin-cursed world where people would hurt each other to satisfy their own wants and desires. Now, Lot had lived in the city of Sodom. Genesis 19.1 tells us that he sat in the gate. We know that in those times, when you sat in the gate, it was normally you were involved in the politics of the town. Sod, uh, Lot had moved into Sodom so far that he was there in the, participating in the politics of the town. He was ingrained in the city. Those that, uh, we see it with Absalom who sat in the gate when he was undermining his father, King David. Over in 2 Samuel 15, 2, it tells us that Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate, and it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, and Absalom called unto him and said, Oh, what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O that I were made judge in the land, that every man which hath any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. So we see Lot participating in the same way. And by the Bible's own testimony, Lot wasn't one of the Sodomites, even though he lived there. If you spend enough time in a garage, you may begin to smell like oil and gas, but you won't become a car. 2 Peter 2.6 tells us that turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes and condemn them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawful deeds. He said, The Lord know how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to preserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So when the time came to leave the city behind, because it was about to be destroyed, we can observe a few things from his escape and about what's become of his life. I'm just going to add a little parenthetical statement here. Y'all are used to me going off the cuff, but I wrote a really good introduction, so I'm kind of sticking with it, just in case y'all are wondering. One of the things we see about Lot is that he lost his convictions. Look over in 19, verse 1. Look over in verse number 1. Lot had spent so much time in Sodom that I think Sodom had begun to run off, rub off on him. In our own lives, we can spend time around sin. We can spend time around in the world. And you're still a Christian, but you begin to vex your own soul. You begin to go down another path. And here Solomon, one of, uh, Lot, one of the things that he had lost was his convictions. Verse number one, and there came two angels in Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into his house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. But before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round both old and young, all the people from every quarter. 
And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came into thee this night? Bring them unto, out unto us that we may know them. And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Uh, uh, and shut the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Behold now, I have two daughters which not know men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you. And do you to them as is good in your eyes, only to these men do nothing. What we see here in Lot is we see a loss of conviction. We see a loss of a standard. You, you realize that there's things when you first get saved that if you begin to get out of, away from God, you can get away from God. You begin to get away from God and you'll find yourself doing things. You said, you know, I, I used to have convictions about this when I got saved. When I got saved, God showed me this in his word, and I put this out of my life. Just at the name of the title of a movie or something like that, or just at the name of a song, I put all of this out of my life. But you begin to get away from God, and you begin to walk with the world. You begin to compromise a little. Little by little, you begin to compromise. And here Lot had reached a point where he compromised to where it seemed a better idea to protect the angels by sending his own daughters out there. And that, in his mind, that was an ideal. Take my daughters who have never known a man, but these men are under my protection. And it's kind of a sad juxtaposition. We see that in the lives of Christians. They get away from God. He'd offered his daughters in exchange for the angels. He'd lost his convictions. He also lost his testimony. As we go on, look in uh, verse number 9. And they said, stand back. And they said again, this one fellow came in to sojourn, and he will needs be a judge. Now will we deal worse with thee than with them? And they pressed sore upon the man, even Lot, and came near to break the door. But but the men put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and shut the door. And they smote the men that were at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they wearied themselves to find the door. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever hast in, thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place? For we will destroy this place, because this cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, verse 14, and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as ones that, one that mocked, unto his son-in-law. So in this time in the city of Sodom, Lot has been sitting at the gate. I'm reminded of a time I've told a story before when I was younger and I first learned about how you can have friends, but they're not really friends. And I remember when I was in the Navy and I loved playing pool. I love shooting pool. That's not something to brag about from the pulpit. And I'm not. But at the time, I would go to the bowling alley and you could rent a table there you know, the big billiard tables, and I would shoot pool. You know, it wasn't a bar, but I would go there, and I would shoot pool, and they'd have uh, pool tournaments and stuff. But I remember a young couple. They weren't married or anything, but I remember a young couple who would come to the table. Hey, can we play? Well, sure, I get tired of playing solo, and I've already rented the table. And then after a few nights of this, a few weeks of this, you know, uh, not every night, but after a few weeks of seeing them and, and playing, one night they got into a fight, and I'm like, hey, well, wait a minute, you know, 
you don't need to get on her like that. And then he turned on me. And I realized, you know, these friends that I thought, well, they just wanted the table. They didn't care nothing about what I had to say. Lot finds himself in this same situation. There's a lot of similarities there, too, with where I was hanging out. But Lot finds him in this, himself in this situation. He takes a stand, and he says, no, don't do this. This thing that you want to do, this is awful. And they say, who made you a ruler over us? You show up. And you're sitting at the gate, and you think you're one of the politicians. You think you're ruling over us. Now we're going to do worse to you than we were going to do to them. And the angels have to deliver him out. They have to pull him back, and they strike the men with blindness, and they're, they're reaching around. They can't see anything. And uh, Lot finds himself in this situation. He's been living in the city, and he's been dealing with them, and he thought he's made friends, and he, he kind of pushed back his own convictions, and he thought he'd made friends with them. And uh, I'm not picking on this side. There's just so many over here compared to the other side. <laughs> but uh, he, he pushes aside his convictions. And he, he, he had spent time when he was younger with Abraham. He had learned about the God of Abraham. He had learned. He'd watched Abraham. Abraham was his uncle. He'd watched him make sacrifices. And he'd walked with Abraham. And he'd heard of what God had said to Abraham. And he had worked his way into Sodom, and here he was among people, vexing his righteous soul. And he reaches a point, and they say, who made you a ruler over us? And they put him down. They're ready to deal harshly with him. And then the angels say, is there anyone else here? So he lost his testimony with the people around him. You know, in your own life, you can push back the Lord, push back the Lord. You can make friends. You think, you know, it's friendship evangelism. I'll, I'll, I'll hang out with them. I'll bring them over, and they'll learn the love of God in my life. And then through that, they'll begin to love God. But if, you've been, if you haven't been telling them about the Lord all along, if your whole relationship is based on something else rather than the love of the Lord, rather than God, the time will come when you present the Lord to them. They're like, wait a minute, you're just one of us. You smoke the same cigarettes as I do. Amen? And y'all think I'm sitting up here preaching on sin. That's your own heart. But what I'm saying is you lose your testimony among other people. And Lot, when he goes to see his daughters and their husbands, and he begins to tell them what the angels told him, he said, God is going to destroy this place. Yeah, we, we, we know about Abraham I think his daughters had grown up in the city. I really do, because of what his other two daughters do later. I think the city life was all they knew. And I, I think they'd reached a point where they just, you know, our sins on the small end as parents will become magnified in our children's lives. What, we, what was it a preacher once said? What we do in moderation, they'll do in excess. A little drinking, and then it goes into excess. But Lot goes to talk to him, and it said he seemed as one that mocked to him. They weren't even able to take him seriously because they've all been living in that city together. They've all been in that world together. So Lot lost his testimony. So even with all this going on, with the impending destruction of the city, finding out what Sodom really thought of him and what God really thought of the city of Sodom, Lot and his family were hesitant to leave. You know, 
a lot of times you stick with what you know. If, if everything that you've been in, involved in all week long, if everything that you've been involved in has nothing to do with the Lord, you're going to be hesitant to leave those things that have nothing to do with the Lord. And, and Lot, it, when we look at Lot, and we look back at the Bible, and we, we see this catastrophic event happening, and we, we know about catastrophic, we've had Harvey, we've had hurricanes, but we look back, and I mean, just put yourself back in that moment. Just put yourself back on those cities of the plains, and the cities are about to be destroyed. Lot has enough faith that he believes the angels, and he follows them out. But the Bible says that he hesitated. And when he hesitated, the angels had to drag him out of the city. And he left with his wife, with his children. You know what else got left behind? What else Lot lost? He lost everything that he had gained in there. You ever, ever have a dream where you got something that you, man, I can't wait to use this or whatnot, and you wake up and it was just a dream? You really don't have that new car? <laughs> or you just really don't have that? Lot wakes up, he's on the plane, and he's got nothing left. But he was still hesitating to leave. Verse number 16 says, And while he lingered, the, man laid, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him, and they brought him forth and set him without the city. So he hesitated while he lingered. He wanted to escape to another city. He said, Behold now, the city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one. You know, there's a lot that I can, I can picture the sin in your life. There's something that God has shown you, a besetting sin. It just keeps, keeps nagging you, keeps nagging you. And it's different for everybody. I told you when I'm in the jail, I, uh, preaching in the jail or teaching them, which I got to get back to tomorrow night. But uh, when, when I'm preaching in there, I'm, I'm well aware that the things that beset those guys aren't the same things that beset me. And the things that beset me aren't the same thing that besets those guys. And you see someone in their life, and I've got a friend, you know, and it's like they had a problem with smoking, but they also had a problem with drugs. I'm not worried about the smoking. (laughs) There's other things that God's working on them for. Everyone is at their own place in their own walk with Christ. You stay in your own lane, right? It's an understanding of that. Your, your walk is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you're at your own point in that walk. Now i got to remember where I was. It ain't as bad as it was. But Lot, his whole thing was the city life. He was hesitant to leave it. He said, behold now, this is a city near to flee unto, and it is a little one. There's things that seem smaller. This, this is just a small, I, let me hang on to the city life in that sense. He says, let me hang on to this. It, it's just a little one. Is it not a little one? And it, we're like that with sin. It's just a little one. Is it not? Can I just hang on to this one? Can, can, I, can I just keep this one? His trust was in the city. It was what he knew. It was what he felt comfortable in. Stepping out and following the Lord isn't always comfortable with us. But it's easier to trust what you can see. So he lost everything. Lot 
left Sodom with just Sodom with just the clothes on his back. He lost two of his daughters in the destruction of that that took place, and he lost his wife in verse 26 when she looked back. She couldn't leave out of Sodom. She looked back. Many people find themselves in this position. The very things that they are that are hurting them and causing them loss are still the things they desire. I've seen that in a friend of mine's life. It's like if you would just let go of this, then you could move forward to this. They hesitate leaving it behind as Lot did, or they look for a substitute for that thing in, a, in, the, in the way that Lot looked for another city, or they look back even as they see the hurt and destruction as Lot's wife did. When God, when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees, he took his nephew Lot with him. Lot had the advantage of being blessed right along with Abraham. Just as Abraham had acquired vast herds, Lot was able to acquire vast herds. But the time came when there was a decision point. So here we have Lot on the outside of the city, and he's lost everything. How did this take place? What makes him so different from Abraham? We know of Abraham. He's the father of the Jews. He's, he's the father of Jacob and Isaac. God worked all through his family. But Lot, his story ends right here. It ends on that mountaintop. It ends in incest. But Abraham's life goes on with the Lord. And there's a, there's a point that splits up people. And I've seen it, and look, here, I'm going to admit something. I've seen it in my own life 20 years ago when I went to the youth detention center with my friend, Brother David. Brother David Walker, the one we've been listening to for Revelation Bible study lessons. I look back at that time back in 2000, 2001, when I first surrendered to preach. And Brother David, he wasn't too far before me, but he'd just come out of school down in Pensacola, and we were going to the jail together, to the youth detention center together. He was assisting a pastor up in Macon, and I was assisting my pastor in Bite in uh, Warner Robins at Calvary Baptist Church. And I see the lives that took totally different directions. Brother David, he's been preaching down in Monticello, Florida, down for not too long after that, over 20 years, I guess. Brother David, he, he goes around the country, he preaches at different churches, and he's, he's leading the school and teaching people. And Brother Keith is up here. Now, I got you guys, that's a bonus. But what I'm saying is there's divergent paths there. And when we look at Lot's life, we can go back to a point where there was a divergent path. Go back to Genesis chapter 13. Because there comes points in our life, there comes decision points in our life that affect us further down the line. And I've learned that as you get older, it's harder to go back. And I've learned that as you get deeper, it's harder to let go. I've learned that the deeper you get, the more you hesitate, the more you say, well, it's just a little city. Is it not a little one? But also the deeper you get, the more you lose. The more that you try on your own, the more that you lose. And the more you let go, the more you gain. Now, in chapter number 13, we see Lot and Abraham, and we see them with many sheep and many cattle. But the one thing I want to point out is that, because that was just the introduction, believe it or not, this is a tale of two cities. It's not a tale of the sin of Sodom. It's not a tale of of just Lot, 
But it's a tale of two different cities. Because when we go back to this point in chapter 13, we see two men going after two different cities. Over in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, it says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should also after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promises in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Abraham, the rest of his life, lived in tents. And Abraham, the rest of his life, didn't have all the benefits of city living that, Sodom, that uh, Lot did. Um, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In Genesis 19.29, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelt. So we know that God blessed Abraham throughout his life, and he only saved Lot for Abraham's sake. Because, but both Abraham and Lot desired a city, but it was their way of going about it that led them to two totally different outcomes. Lot had followed Abraham for years, and he'd received blessings. There came a time when their paths split. Lot had become wealthy in cattle and servants just as Abraham did. He'd spent time in Egypt. When you go to chapter number 12 there, Genesis 12, you see where Abraham sojourned in Egypt. It was where he told the lie that Sarah was his sister, so that nobody would take him, and Pharaoh took her. But we see also in that time, look at uh, verse number 15. The princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And look at verse 16. And he entreated Abram well for her sake, and he had sheep, and oxen, and he asses, and men servants, and maid servants, and she asses, and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh, and he goes on. But the point to note is that while they were in Egypt, and this is, this is where I step out a little bit. This is where I embellish a little bit, and I'm just warning you. But I'm thinking a lot. And I'm thinking of a young lot growing up with Abraham and getting into Egypt, and I'm thinking a lot looking at the things of Egypt, looking at the beauty of Egypt, looking at the wealth of Egypt, looking at the crops. And I'm thinking Lot looks out there and he says, man, I like this city life. He looks out there with his eyes and he said, man, this looks good. These people are living good. And he's there with Abraham. And when they leave, Abraham, I think, splits off some of the flocks to him, some of the herds to him, some of the men servants to him and shares them. And Lot gets to partake in the blessings that Abraham had. And when they're out there and they're out there on the plain, and you read there in Genesis 13, you see that they have a conflict because Lot's men, they're, they're arguing with Abraham's men. There's a fight going on. They get out there and the herds are eating. And they're saying, hey, 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 these are, this, these are, this grass is our area. You need to go over there. And then there's an argument between them. And Abraham hears about it, and this is where the paths start to diverge. Abraham hears about it, and he says, you know what, Lot? It's better that we get along than that we let this get worse. I don't think Lot did anything about it. I don't think Lot minded. I think Lot probably told him, go ahead and feed him over there in the good spot. The reason I think that is because of what he does later 
when Abraham gives him a choice, he looks out to the plains and sees them well watered. I think Lot wanted to build his wealth. And I think he looked out on that herd and said, this is the way I'm going to build the wealth. This is the way I'm going to make things happen. And Abraham said, these blessings come from God. And he said, look, it's not good that we fight, brother. He said, look out. You go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, and I'll go to the left. And right there is that fork in the road. And in your own life, you look back, you'll see these forks in the road. You'll see these decision points. And there's two different cities that they're going for. Abraham was going for a spiritual city. He was going for a city that he couldn't see. And Lot was looking with his eyes. So the first thing I'd like to point out is Lot got in there because of a problem of perspective. Abraham had a spiritual perspective. He wanted what God wanted. He wanted peace. If you want an illustration where this can happen, it can happen a lot in churches. It can happen a lot in churches where one says, we need to do this to go forward, or we need to do this, and another one says, no, no, we're not going to. And you'll see a church split, and you'll see some go off. And then I've seen this too, when some have gone off. Because, let's catch up in the Bible a little bit. Verse number 5 of chapter 13, Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. So Abram's just trusting the choice. He puts the choice in Lot's hands, but he's trusting God for the choice. He said, wherever I go, God's going to go with me. And it says in verse number 10, and this is key. This is where it all starts. Two different cities. It says, and Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. Then Lot chose them all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. So number one, it's a carnal perspective. It says, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of the Jordan. You know, lifting up your eyes is just being able to look out on the world and say, I can see the answer right here. And there may be times when the Lord said, no, that's not the answer, but you go ahead. It's kind of like Abraham gave the choice to Lot. Lot looked out there and he knows what he can see and he's going for it. A lot of times people can succeed like that, right? And I'm not trying to discourage you from going after dreams. I'm not trying to discourage you and keep you tied down. But what I am saying, there's some times when the Lord has something for you, but he'll give you the choice. And if you ain't praying before you make the decision, that choice may not be the right one. You know, there's a lot of things I've done wrong in my life, but there's one thing I did right. That was when I was praying about whether to marry Dee or not. 
I grew up in a divorced home. And we can put this online, I don't care. But I grew up in a divorced home, twice divorced. And I saw the broken marriages, and I saw how they can break apart, and I saw how people can quit liking each other, and I saw the damage that can happen in someone's life. And I did not want that for my children. I didn't want that for my life. And one of the things I prayed, I said, Lord, you know, I'd really like to marry this girl. But I don't know if that's what you want. And that was, a, that was one of those times I just said, Lord, I need your help on this. I need you to guide me on this decision. I've never regretted it. 30 years now. Right? I got that right? Okay. We'll be all right today. But 30 years of marriage. I hadn't regretted it. You know, and there, there's those decision points in your life. If I'd have gone for in another situation, and no telling how that would have worked out. I might have had just as much misery. I don't know. But I know that I put it in God's hands. I asked the Lord to guide me. He doesn't always tell you directly, but he'll guide you. He'll point you in that direction. But Lot chose with his eyes. It's a carnal perspective, just as we see with Eve. Eve chose with her eyes over in Genesis 3, 6. And when the woman saw that the tree, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. First John 2, 16 says, for all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. James 1.15 tells us that when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. But Abraham had a spiritual perspective. We were learning about that this morning, right, in Sunday school, the difference between the spiritual perspective and the carnal perspective. Abraham looked for the future that God had for him. He didn't want the disagreements become between him and his brother's, dead brother's son, and he let Lot choose. And then look what happened once Lot left. And I've seen this happen in a church. And I've seen it happen between people. Because there's sometimes when people are holding back. They're, 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 the, the disagreements between people are holding things back. But then I've seen when once that disagreement is settled, once the ways are parted, I've seen where the Lord will step in and bless and fill in the hole. And in verse number 14, And the Lord said unto Abram after that Lot was separated from him. Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed be also numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abraham removed his tent and came and dwelt in the land of Mamre, which is Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. So Lot, when he parted ways, he built a tent, and he pitched it toward Sodom. He wasn't in Sodom. He just kind of pitched toward. You know, that's an interesting phrase, because a lot of times the Christians will kind of pitch their tent toward Sodom. It's like, I'm not going in there. I'm just kind of getting close by. And at this time, he had great wealth. When you read the next chapter, and that's where we get to the progression. Because in uh, Psalm chapter 1, the Bible talks about the godly man and the ungodly man. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
And in that verse there in chapter number 1, Psalm 1-1, we see a regression. We see someone going from walking, walking in the way of sinners, to sitting in the seat of the scornful, walking in their counsel, standing in the way of sinners, and sitting in the seat of the scornful. When you spiritually look at that in a Christian walk, you see someone taking ungodly counsel, and their Christian walk begins to slow down a little bit, and then they're just standing. And if there's enough of it, they'll sit in the seat of the scornful. You ever seen a truly unhappy Christian that doesn't let anything go right? Nothing right is possible. You begin to regress down. Everybody's looking at you, Miss Maxine, like we know something. But uh, there's, a, there's a regression or a progression. First he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then look at uh, Genesis 14. Because in Genesis 14, Lot then suffers the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah because he was living in the city at that time. And he moves into the city, and it gets attacked. And then verse 14, 11 tells us, And they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. And they took Lot, Abram's brother, whose son dwelt in Sodom and his goods, and departed. So then... Abraham got a blessing. He got a promise of a city that God was going to give him. Lot moves into his city, and then he begins to lose everything. All his goods are taken. Now, I'm going to speed it up a little bit here, but we see that promise. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. We know... We know how Lot ended up. We saw him sitting outside of the city. We saw him hanging on to it. We've seen how in our own lives, if we get close to sin or we begin to pitch our tent towards Sodom or we move into Sodom, how we can lose everything. But look what Abraham lived with. Verse number eight, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. You know, we've been given a promise of an eternal home in heaven. The Bible tells us that Jesus gave his life for us, that we could have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And, you know, when we're in this world, it's real easy to look out at the plains that are well watered on our day-to-day walk. You say, yep, the end is secured, but what we do in between, that's up to us. It's not, though. You're at that choice. You have that choice. Am I going to follow the Lord and what he wants? It doesn't mean that you give up your life. Abraham didn't give up his life, but he obeyed the Lord and where he went. He chose not to go to Sodom. He didn't choose not to go to Sodom. He chose to follow where the Lord went. But he said by uh, verse number nine, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him with the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Then it talks about Sarah. And then verse 13 These all died in faith, not having received the promises. 
You know, that's a picture of our lives as Christians. We don't have that eternal life in hand that we can see, that we can bargain on, that we can, that we can see in front of us, that we can hold on to. We have to trust God by faith. We have to get up in the morning. We have to go to work. We have to walk among everybody else, and we have to trust God for that eternal home in heaven. Just as Abraham, when he got up in the morning, he trusted that God was going to give him that land, but he never saw it in his lifetime. He said, these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that such, say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had the opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. God has prepared for you eternal life. The first decision point that you reach in your life, it isn't, God, where you want me to go next? Because the first decision point in your life is have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Has there been a point in your life where you said, Lord, I can't get there on my own, and I know it. You know, there's the law. There's the Ten Commandments. There, you ever stolen anything. You've broken the commandments. Bible, you've committed sin in that sense when you break the commandments, when you break God's law. The Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That promise it's made, that's the first decision point. Have you ever reached that point where you trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Jesus died on that cross to make that payment for sin. We can't work past it. We can't work over it. We can't go around it. We can't go under it. That sin is what condemns us to death, but Jesus paid the way. A lot of people Choose the city in front of them rather than the one that God promised, that eternal city. 